right, this morning we're in uh, Genesis chapter 29. And uh, before we hop in, I want to remind you of where we are, what what has just happened in the last chapter chapters. So Esau and Jacob are brothers. They're fighting over, well, the younger brother, Jacob, wants the older brother's birthright and his blessing. And he tricks and deceives him by selling it, or to, by bargaining for the birthright with a bowl of red bean soup and tricking the father into giving him the blessing by dressing up and deceiving a father who can't see very well. And and because of this, there's, um, there is division in the family, and, and there's division in the family before this, but, but the mom sends Jacob away because she's worried about her eldest son killing her youngest son. So he, he kind of flees. He doesn't seem like he has very much stuff with him. Um, he sleeps with a stone as a pillow in the last chapter. And that's where uh, Jacob, as he's fleeing, he, he goes to through Bethel. Um, and he has this, this vision of a ladder or staircase that goes up to heaven. And the angels are, are ascending and descending on this ladder. And God is standing at the top of the stairs. And God really gives... Jacob the Abrahamic blessing that he'll be a blessing blessing to all nations and and that through him will the the chosen seed be coming from so we actually see like all this this conniving and foolery and tricking people um, isn't going to supplant or change what God is already going to do he's going to give him the blessing through um, himself he doesn't need uh, the father Isaac to give the blessing although they treat the blessing like it's it's something that's limited that that he can't like give out and and but we see God coming and giving the blessing that he really needs the one true blessing that through him the line will be and so he sets up the stone and he anoints it with oil and says truly God is in this place and he 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 says, if you'll return me to my people, if you'll do these things, then I'll be your person. I'll I'll, um, I'll give a tenth to you, and I'll worship you. And he makes this really great vow. Now, picking up here in chapter 29, uh, as we're reading along, I want you to stop me when you hear about them thinking about God, praying to God, or... Um, you know, when God mentioned, like, just stop me as we're reading through this, this next, most of the chapter and, and say, oh, Jed, there's one there. There's where they're consulting God. That's there. There it is. Just, just for fun. You can stop me. It's fine. Um, you'll, you'll see. All right. So we're going to do, um, 29, one through eight to start off. So he's been through the wilderness. He doesn't seem like he's got a whole bunch of stuff sleeping on rocks. And so finally we come to chapter 29. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there. And they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. So he said to them, Is he well? 
And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. They looked. Then he said, Look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together. And they have rolled the stone from the whale's mouth. Then we will water the sheep. So there's just a little background information here. The Jacob comes to this area of this well. Um, and he sees these three, I guess, separate flocks. Because he can tell that there's three flocks separated. And there are uh, herdsmen, um, sheep keepers, uh, milling around. So he goes and talks to them. And he says, it's like the middle of the day. What are you doing lounging around here? Why don't you water them and go on? And, and apparently this stone is, is a big stone is what we, we understand. That it's it's covering the well of this, this giant hole. And it's going to take a couple people to move it is the implications that we have here in the story. And he, the Lord has led him and blessed him to come right to the area, uh, as far as we understand, that where he's going to meet people of, of his family. Um so he runs into people that are from Haran, which is the same place that Laban is from, where his mother is, where Jacob's mother is from. Um, just a real quick note, Laban, Nahor is not the father of Laban, it's, he's the grandfather, he's from the family line of Nahor, because um, there's a there's a person between Laban and Nahor. It's just one of those things that the Bible does, like here's this, this big family member like Abraham, well I'm the son of Abraham, well, He's not your father. He's your father's father or something. It's just something that the, the Hebrews will identify with, these big names. So I just want to point out that some people may be like, oh, there's a contradiction. That's not his son. But they do it often enough that you're like, well, it's, it's more important that that's the family line that they're coming from. Um, and he says, oh, look, here's here's the daughter Rachel coming. Um, yeah, and so they're waiting for everyone to gather so they can roll the stone aside. And I make this point because as we move on, now, this is verse 9. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then, kissed, then Jacob kissed Rachel, and lifted up his voice and wept. And Ra Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative, and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass, when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him, and embraced him, and kissed him, and brought him into the house. So he told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone, you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Now, no one stopped me yet because apparently the Lord had he had, no one's gone seeking the Lord and no one has has uh, asked anything of the Lord and and we just don't have have him here in the story yet he's working in the background making several things happen but but we don't see people pursuing the Lord or asking him what we should do or how we should do it um, so it's interesting here that it says that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth. So we see Jacob is, 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 is maybe exceptionally strong, but he's also like showing off like, oh, here comes Rachel, this, this beautiful girl. Um, and, and he goes to show off. He, he, he strong arms that big stone off the, the, the well, and then he feeds the sheep of her flock. 
So he's going above and beyond to serve this this young girl, specifically, not not any of the other shepherds, not any other people that are there. It seems like he's he's showing off. And then he has this kind of like, he kisses her. They're not very often that we read about a man kissing a woman in the Bible, but here's one of them. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob, um, and so they they had found each other. That. The, the relatives, his, his mother's family, and where he was supposed to be going. And so God had, had led him here, and, and he is, his journey has come to an end. And he stays with them for a month. And remember, the, it was supposed to be just for a few days that Rebecca would send for him after a few days when her brother's anger subsided. Esau's anger got less. And ooh, he's there a month, and we don't hear anything back from the family. We don't hear anything from uh, from Isaac or Rebecca or Esau. So the story just kind of like cuts away, and we're now just focusing on Jacob. Keep going. Verse 15. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? He's been there a month, remember. Tell me what should be your wages be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Pause there. <laughs> so... He's been there a month. He's probably been helping with the sheep and the, the flocks and the herds. And he says, Let me, how much should I pay? You're, you're going to look like you're going to be here for a while. What, what do you want? Uh, and he he says he's got two daughters, Leah, which means wild cow in Hebrew, and Rachel, which means young you, like a young sheep. Uh, Leah's eyes were delicate. There's an interesting translation. They're either possibly blue um, or they didn't sparkle is, is kind of what that, that word means, that, that uh, a, a young girl's eyes sparkled. It's not that they were dim or she couldn't see well. It's just they weren't, they were different than everyone else's eyes. Um, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. So, so very much the outside appearances, the outward the outward is what's being judged here. There's, we don't get a whole lot of like depth into the characters yet. Um, and Jacob says, "I'll serve for seven years for your daughter Rachel to marry." Usually, traditionally in the time, you would pay a dowry. You'd pay some sort of money, sheep, um, tent, clothes, something of value to the father as a dowry for. The, the girl and he didn't have anything as far as we can tell so it seems like he's trying to bargain seven years of service for basically free for his younger daughter Rachel and Laban says yeah yeah, yeah that sounds great do let's do that and because of Jacob's love he served right seven years for Rachel no big deal <laughs> just a few days to him because he loved her so much he had that that um honeymoon stage of, of meeting a, a girl and 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 it just was no no big deal, no problem. Have we heard about God yet? Has anyone gone seeking God yet? No. Nope. It's 
funny. It's funny how how this this works. Um. All right. So verse twenty one. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob. Remember, he's he's trying to marry Rachel, and, and Laban brings Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zil. Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob went, also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he <coughs> served with Laban still another seven years. So here's here's a funny thing. Um, so it starts off with, like, give me my wife. My, my seven years are fulfilled. Like, it's it's time that we... we I got married to Rachel. I've been working for seven years. It's time. Can I can I have her, please? And he says, "Sure, sure, sure, sure." So they they, they gather a feast, and it's the custom of the, the that time that era, and to have a feast for the wedding for like seven days. They have a huge wedding feast. Um, and so the first night, uh, the, the the festivities uh, are going, and and they go in together. It says the translation says that she was heavily veiled, so she had like these things in front of her face, so you couldn't tell who it was, and the darkness of the tent apparently didn't uh, didn't shed enough light for them to him to figure out who it was before the morning. And here we have deception upon deception, because there are so many questions that come up, like where where was Rachel? Was this not her wedding? wasn't it started for was she being physically detained somewhere like what what happened to her how did jacob really not know that that leah was not the same person as as rachel whom he loved but we, we really don't see him complaining at all like there's no outbursts of anger there's no like <laughs> i'll get revenge jacob seems pretty like ah, okay fine but how much he must be reminded of the trickery that he pulled, Jacob pulled on his father, who couldn't see well. He was not veiled, but he had put on the goat skin on his arms and on the back of his neck and put on his brother's best clothing or the smelliest clothing, I don't and went in to deceive his father to get the blessing. And we don't see them then or now consulting the Lord. We don't see them pursuing truth and honor. We see them doing things by their own flesh. What was what seems good to them. Laban was worried about his elder daughter getting married, so he passed her off. And it seems silly. And and many commentators don't don't really have any idea specifically, but says that this custom of the country was to marry the older daughter first seems like you should have mentioned that seven years ago when they were starting to to serve for rachel for seven years that someone should have told 
Jacob within the last seven years. So I think it's just I think it's just a lie that Laban is saying just to make sure his daughter is married well. And we see just deception in their lives and this re repetition of people not being honest, people not telling the truth, and there is going to be pain and suffering and, and just heartbreak because of all that's been going on. And, and it, it seems like so, it, it reads uh, that after the week, after the marriage of Leah, in verse 28, that he, he gave him also his daughter Rachel as wife also. So it seems like he's got, he got married to Leah and then pretty immediately there Rachel and then he has to serve another seven years for Rachel. Just for <coughs> some context. So he gets two wives like kind of at the same time. Now one of the things I always want to point out is uh, did God say that you should marry two different women? No, no, God, God's not here saying like, oh, polygamy, this is, this is God's will for people in their lives. This is not it. This is men being sinful men, tricking each other. Um, that's one of the, the misconceptions people have, like, oh, there's polygamy in the Bible. Like, yes, there's polygamy in the Bible. There, polygamy is marrying multiple wives. There's also murder in the Bible, and there's also theft in the Bible. There's also lying in the Bible, but that doesn't mean that God wants you to do those things it doesn't mean that god encourages us to do those things i want to take a quick pause here and we're going to hop over to galatians 6 verses 7 through 10 will you resize if i zoom in no you will not okay so galatians 6 7 10 so as we see all this deception as we see all these lies as we see all this stuff i can't help but think of of this passage here galatians 6 7 through 10 do not see do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap for he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary do while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So what does this mean? So in verse 7, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Like you can't trick God, you can't pull the wool over his eyes, he sees all he's not going to be um confused by your outward actions that look good but you've got a wicked heart like god knows exactly what's in our heart god knows exactly how deceitful and sinful we are like this outward show this dressing up this nice words these acts of, of good acts but if our hearts are far from him he's not going to accept us because we don't have a relationship with him so don't don't be fooled. God God is not judging you based upon your outward works and your outward appearance. He's judging you on what's inside your heart. And it says here that for whatever man sows, that he will also reap. So for Suneo and anyone else that's not familiar with sowing is where you go planting seeds. It's actually more of like grab a handful of seeds and throw them out into the field. So whatever you sow, whatever you're spreading up in your field to grow. Um, reaping is where you go and you cut the, the wheat or cut the whatever you're growing. You're reaping it. You're getting the harvest in from the field. So whatever you plant, 
that's what you're going to get back. Does that make sense? So, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. So he says that if you go and you sow and you want, uh, you want personal pleasures and you want wealth and you want all these temporary physical things, that you're going to get those temporary things back. That you maybe maybe you'll you'll grow a little bit in the in the wealth, but it's all corrupt and it's all temporary. It's gonna it's gonna leave you. You can't take it to heaven with you. It's not permanent. And if you sow to the flesh, like, I want pleasure now, I want to fill my stomach, I want to um, enjoy multiple wives, whatever it is, it's all temporary, and it's going to be corrupt, and it's not good. It's not what the Lord wants. So as we we are self-seeking, we're going to get back just corruption, because that's, that's, that's all that we do, that's all that we make when we when we live life that way. But he who sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So here we have a difference. So instead of sowing, planting uh, things of the flesh, things that, that gratify self, build up self, we're instead we're reaping to build up and gratify the Lord, that we want to please the Lord, that we want to uh, do things that are, are well-pleasing to Him, that's our aim as we walk in this world. And and the harvest, the that which we reap will be everlasting life with Jesus Christ in heaven and, and now even. And so I couldn't help but think about these things because as Jacob is deceiving people, taking stuff from them that he wants or his mom and him want, he's getting the same thing back from people that he's he's um, living with right now, Laban. And, and so much of our lives... When we don't sow to the Spirit, when we don't want the godly things, we we create sin, and sin always begets, always makes more sin. So if you're you're planting sin, you're going to get more sin back. Because if you have to lie about something, you're going to have to lie again about that something, and then you're going to be caught in this trap. So as we as we sin, that sin's going to grow up create more sin and eventual death for us so we need to be very careful what what we're planting what we're sowing so instead of trying to build up self we need to build up uh, our witness for the lord that we need to tell people about a wonderful god that died for us that died for our sins and we need to be reaping in the the things that he loves that that is love peace and mercy like those are those are some of the heart characteristics of God. Those are the attributes that we want to to share with others. And and if we we sow peace with other people, if we try to make peace with other people, but by building them up, we're gonna get more peace back. It's just kind of most of the time it's how it's gonna work because as, as we're being forgiving and kind and loving to people, even if they hate us, even if they don't don't like us even if they they're against this against jesus they're still going to see us in our good works and they won't have anything to say bad about us even though they'll want to and so we need to be very careful that we're we're planting the things of the lord it says and let us not grow weary while doing good because that's what we'll be doing if we're walking with the lord for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart so we just need to continue 
sowing. We need to continue planting these things. Don't give up. Don't be like, well, I tried to be nice and, and, and they still were mean to me. It's okay. They, they nailed our Savior, the most perfect person to ever walk the earth, to a cross because he was good and kind and healed people. It's okay. And God even, Jesus warns us that that's going to happen to his followers. So don't lose heart. Just continue to, to sow that of the Spirit. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all. Do good to all. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. I want to focus here on the all, not just of the household of faith. So, so many times I catch people that are like, oh, but I, I want to only be good and kind and forgiving to other Christians because they're supposedly supposed to be good and kind and forgiving to me. And then I'll deal differently with the world outside. And it's not what the scripture says, that we need to be good and kind to all people and that we need to, to share with them forgive them love them as god has loved us and so many times people want to keep that from unbelievers because they'll mock us and they'll they'll hate us and they'll persecute us and yes they will but that's okay that's what they're going to do we need to be obedient to the lord and show that love to them but I also have to caution because some people are not kind and loving and forgiving to those that are believers as well. And they, they hold back doing good or loving. And, and possibly they think, oh, they're Christians. They're going to forgive me no matter how much I sin against them. So I'll just continue to sin. Or I don't know what their thought process is. But ideally, they, they, they're walking in the wrong when they withhold that goodness from other believers and so for us today like don't walk as as jacob and laban walked where i want i want i want we need to be seeking the lord and see what he has to say because we we know the truth we know what's going to happen we know what the judgment is based upon it's based upon our faith and and there's no one or nothing that can keep us from having faith in God. And so what we need to do now that we've been reconciled, now that we have peace with God, is we can now be his ambassadors to share the peace and joy that we have with other people. Even though it's hard. Even though they're not going to receive it. Even though they're not going to believe. And that's okay. We have our faith before the Lord. And that's it. That's all that all that he asks us to do. Have faith for him. And, and as we're doing that, as we're being obedient to him, he'll bless us. And we don't do it for the blessings. We do it f just because of what Jesus has already done for us. So I, I'm so thankful to serve a, a wonderful God that, that asked me to do things that I, I, I really want to do. Like <laughs> my spirit wants to do it, but my flesh doesn't want to do because my flesh still wants me to do the selfish things, the, the things that take from other people. But but God's now, because I believe I have a spirit of of him living within me, that's it. it's fighting against that spirit of the flesh. It's helping enable me to walk more like Jesus Christ would have walked. And without faith, without that first step of saying, I believe and I repent of those things I've done, Lord God, forgive me. Without doing that, we, we're still lost in our sin. We're still walking in darkness, and we need to repent of our sin. Even from when we start believing to 
to the last day right before we die, we need to repent of the sin because we're still sinning. We're still doing things against other people as much as we try not to. We're still going to sin because it starts in our hearts. So, Lord God, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you for the time that we get to look at people sinning, not seeking you, Lord God, and how much of an example that we can learn from people's bad example that you have here recorded in the Bible. As, as humans, you're not the hero of the story. You, you are, Lord God. You're the hero of the story, Lord. Help us to seek you and pursue you, Lord God. Help us to reap what we sow. And Lord God, help us sow to the Spirit. Help us to walk according to your will and your Spirit. And not like the rest of the world walks. Because what the rest of the world has to offer is temporary and corrupt and awful. But you offer such good things like love and forgiveness and peace and joy. Lord, I praise you for that. Please continue to walk with us. Lead us and guide us every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.